Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, you are listening to Freight 360. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right, welcome back for episode 112. 112 of Freight 360. First off, Ben, happy birthday, man. 40 years old. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Yeah. Big four zero and happy anniversary to you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Couple couple milestones in the uh, Freight 360. Uh, the crew here. Yeah, I had my third wedding anniversary with my wife this week. You got your birthday. Good stuff all around, man. Um, well, hey, welcome back. Today's episode is going to be all about communication, and this is super, super important. And it, whether you're cradle to grave broker, if you are just a account manager or if you're a dispatcher, this stuff is super important on all facets of this freight broker industry. And we're going to talk about some real world examples and one that I'm dealing with right now at my company. Um, but first, welcome back. Make sure to leave us that review. We're, we're already ranking really good in the podcast charts, and obviously you can watch us on YouTube. So um, sub- hit the subscribe button on the YouTube channel to let you know when the episodes are dropping on Fridays. Um, share us with all your friends in the industry, someone who might get some benefit from this. We've got a ton of questions that have rolled in. We're going to answer a couple of them at the end of today's episode. But things are going in a, in a really awesome direction. Um, I'm super excited for what's coming up. But uh, Ben, what's new on your end? Uh, speaking of which, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna be lining up the next webinar for DAT, and I know the last one was really well received. So anyone out there that missed that or is looking forward to the next one, we should be announcing that I would think in the next couple weeks. Yeah, um, had a lot of fun doing the last one. I know there's a little bit of issues with the recording come to the end of it, but I mean it was enjoyable. I think it went really well, and I, I mean I think it was our best one to date. I know we've done more than more than a few now. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was a blast. So. Well, good stuff. On sports note here, um, World Series is going on. It's um, Atlanta Braves and the Houston Astros. They're currently tied 1-1 to in the series. Uh, a lot of Braves fans out there in the U.S., I know that, because obviously they were a hot team back in the in the early and mid-'90s. And I, I used to always be able to watch them on TBS. So, but, uh, oh, I remember that. Yeah, the Red Sox got beat out last week, and um, so did the uh, – so did LA. So that's who you got in the uh, World Series. The Bills playing Miami this weekend, coming off of a bye week, sitting at four and two. Um, that Titans loss is, is is kind of affecting me more and more now because Tennessee turned around and then just beat up on Kansas City last weekend. So yeah, wow, yeah, but um, good stuff. We'll see. I think the I, I think the Bills are gonna have a nice anecdotally though. Anecdotally, I still listen to a lot of Pittsburgh radio. I was driving to the airport this morning, and they are still talking like story-wise. Like they think the Bills are um, Super Bowl favorites, or like that's the general sense. Yeah. Um, and it could be that you know that was also coming from a Pittsburgh station, and that was one of the only big wins this year. So I mean, being <laughs> able like, to hey, count that it was against we beat the Bills. <laughs> exactly. So maybe a little column A, a little column B, but I, I mean, you guys look fantastic. I think the rest of the year is going to be yeah, good. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, elsewise in the world of sports, um, I don't know of a whole lot going on. Um, you got anything else going around? In Not the really. World? I mean, the Steelers are playing the Browns this weekend, and they got beat last year pretty handily in the playoffs. So I know that, you know, it's a 
pretty big game for Pittsburgh. Hey, did you, Not that it's going to so change the outcome much of the season. Another, here's another uh, NFL thing. So Monday Night Football, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but you can watch it on ESPN normally, or I think it's on ESPN too. They have Peyton and Eli Manning both doing like a commentary over the broadcast, and they bring in guests, and they talk throughout the game. So it's not like play-by-play. It's more of just kind of having banter back and forth. And they had Marshawn Lynch uh, and Tom Brady come on during the Monday night's game, the broadcast. And I'm pretty sure Marshawn Lynch was drunk, uh, just taking shots of Hennessy during it or whatever. But then Tom Brady came on. That was a pretty pretty good one to watch. Um, So, yeah, that was was a good little way to watch Monday night football. Uh, Oh, elsewhere, before we get into the the episode – our social media. We hit a milestone. We had um, we had our first. Um, how do I say this? Our first uh, topless post. Our what you call it? Topless, topless post. Po- I was going to call it scandalous or risque, but yeah, we. Had, I would say scandalous had, or risque. We had a probably. topless. We had a picture of a topless girl on our Facebook page, and uh, quickly it got one like from a random dude before it quickly got pulled down. But uh, <laughs> we've had to do some um, monitoring and mediation in that Facebook group. It's gotten big. We're over 15,000 people in there now and um, come join the conversation. It's it's good. There's a lot of a lot of brokers connecting with carriers and dispatchers and stuff like that and people sharing capacity and where they're located and that, that's awesome. That is a great way to leverage your relationships with carriers and build that up outside of just posting and praying on the load board. So, yeah. Absolutely. Another way to network, and it is Freight Brokers and Carrier Network is the name of the yep. Facebook There's group. But I was laughing when you texted me that because, yeah. like, I didn't see the post. I, I wasn't part of bringing it down. But, like, the only thing that went through my mind was just why? <laughs> like, like, why would you do that? I don't. <laughs> but, hey, oh, teach man. their own. Love it. Uh, well, speaking of load boards um, and uh, growing your, your carrier network, give us a shout out to our friends over at DAT. Taking the guesswork out of freight with DAT. The DAT Load Board Network is the largest on-demand freight marketplace in North America, connecting freight brokers with available capacity on any lane. Grow your business with tools that allow you to find new business partners, plus you can quickly qualify and onboard new carriers. And with the industry's leading freight rate data, you can make clear and confident pricing decisions. Take a look at the show notes for a free month of Power Express or Trucker's Edge. Absolutely. Um, yeah, show notes. We um, if, you, if you look in our episode notes now, we tried to clean them up a little bit. So there's a link for our course in there, for the coaching in there. Um, all of our sponsors and affiliates, it's a link for our, our webpage that has everything on there. You can go right to the page and see um, all the DAT links, the Lean Solutions Group links, um, TMS links, factoring, Digital Dispatch, TIA, all, all good stuff. All the folks that we have a relationship with, um, check it out. And then obviously, just you can check out our website in general. There's a link there. And um, a lot of great content. YouTube video every week, blog every week. We're, uh, we're getting into a really good rhythm with our content coming out now. For about the last month, we've been working with Lean. And we'll talk about Lean later on in the episode. But uh, good stuff there. All right. Today's episode, all about communication. Why communication, Ben? This is a great topic, but curious. What uh, what was your thought process here? Well, to be honest, just running into issues as it relates to it, whether it's clients, whether it's myself per- personally, and just a lot of people have been asking, you know, like, well, how do you send this email? Like, what do you use in subject lines? And it really got me thinking about business communication and how a lot of my emails, well, and it reminded me of actually when we, when we were writing copy and writing the course, like, 
my grammar is different in emails. Mm -hmm. I space them differently. I do not write them in like correct. I wouldn't say incorrect because correct English is important. Like you don't want misspelled words within your business communication, but I don't format it the same. I format things in a way that makes it easier to read based on what we're doing. And it was just like, this is such an important part of running a brokerage because that's literally all we trade in for the most part. Like we're not selling inventory. We don't have products. We don't have goods. Like it's a service. And this is how we convey that service and how we convey it largely is how it's perceived. I agree. I, I do. I kind of want to start off on the email part because um, I will tell you that some of the big, biggest issues I see with emails are, like you just said, bad grammar, first of all. Uh, and I'm just going to spit off a couple of things here and then we can dig into it. But bad grammar, um, misspelled words, emails that are too short, emails that are way too long, subject lines that don't make any sense, um, subject lines that seem spammy and will get you deleted very quickly, right? These are, these mm-hmm. are things that you can quickly find yourself going down a, a rabbit hole of, of just bad stuff if you're not properly um, using your email in a professional manner. Now, keep in mind, and there, you can- And that's a whole thing, yeah. right? Like you have the bad issues, but on top of that, right? Like you're giving people the wrong impression. You're creating work for yourself. It's very inefficient because what you send out largely comes back. And if you don't have it organized in a way, like you end up doing 10 times the work as well. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a whole host of reasons why. So I, on the email topic, email has become more and more prominent as a method of communication for us in the freight broker world, right? There's less people picking up the phone and making a phone call because you can quickly send an update, um, tender a load, et cetera, via email. Plus, with email, you've got a, a paper trail, right? And we know how important that can be. I'll give you an example of something that I'm dealing with literally right now, okay? I have an agent that um, we found out the load, his load, um, load gets delivered, trucks, uh, truck sends paperwork in. Um, we send the, or we schedule the payment for the carrier, net 30, and then customer gets invoiced, but the customer comes back and says, we're not paying this invoice. It got delivered to the wrong location, right? And it's like, then we start to peel back the layers and do like our little investigative work. And the broker had no idea. This is the first he's hearing about it, that it got it got delivered to the wrong location. When was it delivered first off? Context? Like, give me the scenario again. Oh, this was delivered like in the last couple of days. Okay. Yeah, so so fairly recently. delivered on time, but come to find out it was delivered to the wrong address down the street, okay? And we're still trying to figure out, like, was this a, par- a different location for the sh- receiver or what? It was like a half a mile down the road. And now because of email, we can pull up and see, you know, where where was the, what did the, what did the load tender say? And the, the load mm-hmm. tender had a specific address to deliver on and that's where the load got delivered to. Now the customer or the shipper is saying, oh, well, we changed it. And the agent's like, well, I, I don't have any record of that. What, what are we talking about here? And mm-hmm. they're going back and forth trying to figure out what actually happened here. We don't know. Is the, is the customer trying to scam us because they made a mistake and then they hired another carrier to swing it half a mile down the road to a different um, mm-hmm. building or whatever the case might be. Um, but, you know, the shipper says, well, I, I, I called and had it had the location updated and changed. And the broker's like, well, no, you didn't. And so now it's this whole back and forth. And we're trying to figure out the customer's trying to say, we're not paying you anything. Um, now, here's the good thing. 
is the carrier. Well, first of all, we've got an email. We got email records of all this stuff. We've got a mm-hmm. low tender and all that. And phone records, by the way. Yeah. You can pull and see if the calls were at least made, yep. at when, where, how the duration, hopefully even the recording. Yeah. And then on top of that, the carrier used a factoring company, uh, which adds one more layer of protection. So if for some reason, like let's say in a different example, let's say the the broker did have a change from their customer and updated the the driver or the dispatcher and changed it, but the driver still delivered to the wrong location and um, we have payment processing, right? Having a factoring yep. company in there adds one more layer to freeze that payment to try to try and get this figured out, right? Whereas um, if the carrier just took a quick pay and got their money, it's like we're kind of SOL at that point. But this is the whole point, right? Like email versus phone calls. Um, having enough good communication is one thing, but having it documented is is quite another thing in itself right there. So um, we're going to get to the bottom of it. We always do. We've never lost a load and never been able to figure it out or fix it at some point in time. But um, this is this is the, the, the big reason for this discussion here is this stuff will happen, right? Mm-hmm. Load information will change and you're going to have to think on the fly and react, right? I, I'm Absolutely. always a, a, I'm a big proponent of when it comes to dealing with customer issues, it's not about the mistake that happened. It's about how you handle it and how you fix it and your level of resiliency in managing all these little issues. So, um, yeah, so that that's kind of one downside or I guess risk with just strictly emailing is you might forget to press send, right? And send mm-hmm. that update or it might get stuck in your outbox or maybe your inbox is so flooded that you're not going to see that email right away, which is when a text message or a phone call might be more appropriate. So, um, you know, there's a there's a, a time and a place to use each form of communication, whether it's text, phone, email or whatever the case might be. Uh, but doing it properly is even more important. So. And I want to jump off on that one right there yeah. because it reminds me of like one of the processes I wanted to discuss and where it came from. So I've done a lot of intermodal work through my book and I moved a lot of containers. And why that's relevant is lots of numbers, right? You've got your container number, a booking number, your PO for the receiver or the shipper. You have your railroad pickup number. You have your numbers for the steamship lines. So the other thing in intermodal that also happens in full truckload is there are a lot of changes to work orders in intermodal because you'll have a dray where you run the container out and they might say, leave the container here, we'll empty it today, come back and get it in two days. So you add charges, right? That's very common. But it also happens in full truckload and that's where, but this is where like my habit came from was I was constantly having to go back and update these. Well, what happens to your point is when you send emails fresh for like every issue, right? Like you don't have the trail. So at the end, when you have an invoice from a carrier that doesn't match, you are literally piecing together like a detective, all these different emails from all these different places. Then you got to put them on a spreadsheet so you can see what happened when, and then get a whole picture before you can even answer a question, right? So, Long and short, some simple tips you can use, and they should be used full truckload container wherever in my opinion, is use the same thread throughout the life of a shipment. So you have an email that comes from your shipper and says, this is your load tender. Like 
Any updates should be to that email. They should be replying to that email. You should only be replying to that email. And another tip is, and this is something like you can kind of train your customers on, or at the very least I've been able to, and I've, I've, other people have had success is, you start putting the things in the subject line yes. that weren't added. Yes. And then you also add people to the same thread. Instead of starting a new email, you put in there adding copy, why you're adding somebody in copy. So let's say the issue is going from operations, in your case, to like accounting, right? Instead of starting a whole new thread and explaining the whole scenario, you've got the history, it's all in the trail, and you can add in accounting, then you add in their accounting. Now all of a sudden everybody has visibility from literally cradle to the grave. What started, what changes were there, when they were happening, when they were requested, and all of that can then be saved, put right into your TMS so that your accounting department, who usually isn't in daily contact with your operations department, can see all of this. Yeah. And it just avoids so many conversations, additional emails, and it's really no more work, yeah. right? And I wanna add two more tips in here. So number one is if your customer has a universal, like some sort of way that they track a shipment, like a PO number or a shipment mm -hmm. ID, whatever, if you can always have that in an email, right? And having a thread is going to be easy, too, because it'll track everything before. But just simple searching in your Outlook or in your, your email yes. um, provider, just typing in that reference number, whatever it is, whether it's a PO number or a shipment ID or a tender number, whatever, right? You can easily pull up every single email that was sent or received or deleted or whatever that in includes that um, reference number. The other tip, too, is if, if you're using a CRM um, that tracks email and records and saves them all, that can help you out too, right? And like, for example, I know like HubSpot, anytime I've gotten an email that I wanna make sure it's saved forever for, for whatever reason, I'm gonna make sure it's tagged in my CRM. So you can add a, a plugin for Outlook for your CRM, or if you have like a, there's a certain, like HubSpot, there's a an email address code you can put in the, the BCC line that'll automatically save it to that customer's record in HubSpot. There's all kinds of ways, that way when you go back to your, customer record or to your email thread, you can see everything that happened. It's saved. That way, if it gets deleted by mistake, it's still there. And that's the, the biggest second tip that I have is that I don't know that a lot of people utilize the search function in their email for this very reason, because the search function doesn't help you if you don't stay consistent in what you're doing. Yes. But like to the first point, if you are making sure that that customer's PO is in every subject line, and then maybe your company's TMS load number is also in there. So like there's semicolon yours, semicolon the you know shipment number if there is one that stays consistent. Because then what happens is all of your emails related to these things are all searchable by that. Yep. So if you get a quick phone call or you're looking for a quick update in your TMS and you're like, I'm not sure if we got that check call or that update or whatever it is, right? Immediately, you just take the PO or your TMS's load number, you throw it right in your email in the search bar, and you can see all of the correspondence without having to sort through it, without having to go through different folders. It will literally just pull it right up. Very quickly, you can see what happened, and then verify or not. You can jump right onto that thread, reply all, hey, ask the question, everybody's there, the record's there, and you can go back to what you're doing. Absolutely. Little tips here, man, and you'll be surprised how many people don't think in an organized manner like that when they're conducting business. 
Um, yeah, and it saves a lot of phone calls, right? Oh, yeah. In fact, that was also what was coming up. So one of the clients that I was talking to, their carriers were calling them all day, which they weren't calling at first. So the first step was to get them to start calling so they could actually get the updates. Well, the next step of you know really fostering, I think, a productive relationship with your carrier base is having these conversations. Like, hey, really appreciate the updates. You know, we're getting a little bit more busy. You guys are getting more busy. Let's take this a step further. Can you just shoot me an email when you need these updates or when it's delivered, send this over with the POD, with the POD and the detention requested. Yep. Like just asking for these ahead of time saves so much work later of calling them. They call three days later, did you get that detention? And you're like, well, did you send the POD? Well, no, I'll send it later. Now you've got to deal with the whole load again. Like getting these processes and getting your carriers in the same habits that you are getting into is what is going to provide so much efficiency throughout your day. Yep. Now, on the flip side, think about when, when you've got poor communication and you have to spend more time on the back end to fix what was missed or messed up, think about how much time is lost there, right? So to your example, if you didn't clearly specify that your carrier needs to send in their, you know, POD, their invoice, their rate confirmation, and then detention, check-in, check-out times, any paperwork or documents associated with that load, right? And then you've got to go hunt that down afterward, afterward. And guess what? They're probably already on their next load, most likely, right? Oh, yeah. And they're like, three loads, four loads down like the which one was this? You know, especially if you're dealing with a dispatcher that's got a fleet of like 30 to 50 trucks and they're like, which day, what driver, what load was this? And it's like, you could spend hours, if not days, just trying to get this all cleaned up just to get your customer invoice, just so you can get paid, so you can pay them and everyone moves on. It is such a headache. And to that point, right? It's that, was that a proverb you were laughing at me because I said this last week, right? It, it's an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? Like yep. just getting in the habit of letting your carriers know before they deliver what you'll need when they're done. And this is the important part, right? Just asking somebody or saying that usually isn't enough for them to change their behavior. Like they will or will not remember. And I'd say you got a 50-50 shot. It's better than not telling them. Yeah. So it's definitely a step in the right direction. But what I would suggest is take it one step further and tell the carrier why you need it. And the reason is to benefit them. So if I'm on with a carrier, it's, hey Mike, the reason I want you to send this when you deliver, text me a picture of the POD and also text me the check-in and check-out times, make sure they're on there. Because what that does is, especially if your carriers are on quick pay, it allows you to make sure they don't wait for their money. Absolutely. And when you explain that to them, now all of a sudden they start remembering because it's important to them yep. making sure they're not delayed on getting paid. And that like is they a simple, that. It's as simple as prefacing your conversation with why this is important to them. And the same exactly. thing goes with customers, right? So, hey, um, I'm, I, I'm gonna add in my load number into this email thread. And if you guys can just please reply to this thread, um, it's gonna help expedite everything so that you know we can get you invoiced yes. properly, so that we can make sure your load gets delivered and we have in-transit visibility um, at a higher level, right? You have to give them a reason and preface it in a way that this makes sense for you and it's good for everyone. Um, so. Yeah, good stuff. I, I do want to hit on, you had some things here you wanted to talk about with um, emails to prospects, right? Subject yes. lines, how long should an email be? And I want to dig into this. Um, 
because people often ask, what should I be saying to my customer to my prospects and prospecting emails? Um, and more so or not so much what you should say, but I want to talk about some just basic communication things here. I've seen way too many spammy looking, super long emails propositioning transportation services to shippers. And so pause there and cover that one first because that's a big yes. one, right? So first of all, I will tell you that if, you know, when I see these emails, take a step back before you send one and read it yourself and say, if I was in that customer's shoes, what would I think if someone sent me this? Because I get spammy emails and spammy LinkedIn messages all the time and I delete most of them. It's so helpful. That tip alone will save you from so many, I don't want to say bad emails, but emails that are likely not to be read. Yeah. Like stop, sit there and think, right? Like if you're trying to reach this person on the phone and they don't have 30 seconds to talk to you, do you think they're going to be able to read three single space paragraphs yep. about why your company feels it's the best fit for him? They don't need to know them. They don't her. need to see three paragraphs on the history of your company and stuff like that. Like I, I no. hate when I see that stuff because here's the deal. At the end of the day, the customer has a need, and that need is to get that shipment moved. They don't need to know the background of your company and all that. Now, I'll tell you, as you grow your relationship with a customer and you have time to chat on the phone, yes, you can dig into all that stuff and really build that rapport and relationship, but that is not the intention of your email. Think about that. Why are you sending the email? What are you trying to get out of that email? And keep all the other jargon and garbage out of it because it's not relevant to that part of the discussion. So... I always say so, keep it simple, right? Keep it as brief. Yep. Get as much information that's relevant in as small of an email as, as humanly possible. So some tips, right? I'm maybe three statements within an email to a prospect early on. Maybe two, three, a handful at most. And what should be in there is a value prop to the person you're sending it to and a question. And why do you think there's a question at the end? So you can hook them to get them to respond, but you can initiate the conversation. Right? Yeah. Yep. So, and then to the subject line, like, what are your subject lines that you hate to see, and what are the ones uh, that like you? Well, let me tell you what I like, Um, and I'm going to tell you on both the the customer and the carrier side, right? So, um, if you're doing a good job as a broker, and you have a a group of customers that you're working with, and you have a group of carriers that you're working with, a great way to send an email to your customers is available tr- or you know whatever company available trucks on whatever date yep and boom you can list your the capacity that you have with your carriers if it's t- going out to your carrier network available loads on whatever date right yep it is super straight to the point remember though at this point to do that you've got to have established carrier and customer relationships to be able to connect those two which is what your job as a broker is but those are quick and to the point right you're not but saying, why is that hey, important? hey, what do you guys have available today? It's no, here's what I have. Yes. See if this matches up with you at all. And the date is super important yep. because especially if you're doing this daily or even weekly, they get a lot of emails. You want them to be able to search their email, right? This is a service that you're actually providing them that doesn't maybe seem like it, but by properly structuring your communication in a consistent manner, they are able to see what you're doing more consistently yeah. and read them over a period of time. So- um, I did this last week with one of my agents with the capacity issues and companies going out of business and people chasing higher paying lanes. He lost a regular carry on one of his um, or on a couple of his go to loads that he was running every single week with one of his customers. Customer is always happy to give him um, 
<clears throat> any lane that he wants to work on, and they'll tell him what it's going to pay. And he's got a little bit of wiggle room, and they get that. So what we had to do was let's go source more carriers, right? We we went through all of our all of our resources to find all of the carriers that have reefers, because that's what it is. It's reefer for produce. All the reefer carriers that are within 100 miles of the um, outbound location that we could find in the system, right? We had like 120 of them that we were able to find. And we were able to start creating an, a daily email that would go out to all those carriers saying, available loads from our company, Pierce Wild Logistics, on this date. And it would list every, so every lane that he wanted to, to try and cover for his customer, he'd put in there. It would have the pick and deliver information, the weight um, any specific details that were relevant and he'd send it out to every day to all the carriers and hey you know please let me know if you'd like to offer a rate on this or discuss it um, if you don't want to be notified of these anymore let me know we'll take you off the list that's simple and that's effective yep. right there um, oh, I've got a couple other effective. brokers in our company that, that is their way that they do all of their business mm -hmm. all their, it's, it's all I'm gonna I'm gonna cast a wide net on these shippers that I'm set up with and I'm going to do my job as a broker and effectively try and source carriers outside of just posting them all on the load board, right? Create a spreadsheet, keep it updated every day, send it out to your list, and boom. You're not you're yep. not gonna cover 100% that way, but if you've got you know 50 lanes or you know 30 lanes on there and you can cover 10 or 20% of them that way, it's a lot more than posting all that stuff manually and hoping you cover them with you know a random carrier each day, so. And I think, and then to, to pivot a little bit back to the prospecting topic, right? So how I would communicate this to a prospect, a prospective shipper, right? Someone that's not a customer, right? Subject line is honestly, gonna, is honestly gonna be very similar to what Nate said for the very same reason. I know their existing brokers, or at least some of them, are likely to be sending those emails. So I format mine in a way that I normally communicate to a customer because there's a higher percentage that they're gonna see it be familiar with the subject line and at least open it. Yeah. So my subjects to a prospect are usually trucks delivering at, and it's usually a city where they have a location. And I'm gonna look at my existing carrier base and go, hey, I have a handful of these guys that deliver here these days of the week. I don't know if it would be helpful, but they are looking for reloads. Let me know if that would be a good fit, right? My value prop to them, I've got guys looking for backhauls. What do they hear? fair rate yep. or they think, oh, that's a little cheaper than market yep. and they think they're going to be able to find a good fit and then my hook at the end, hey, would you be willing to discuss this or let me know if you have any use for these people, right? Yep. Because that's just going to increase your percentage of being able to actually spark that back and forth, which is really what we're trying to get to anyway. Yeah, so two points there. Um, you were specific in your in your email. So whether whether you're picking a city as one option or the other one, a date, right? If you mm -hmm. if you list it's for today or for tomorrow or for a specific city, that tells a shipper when they're first reading your subject line, this is not a, a templated spammy email. This yep. is specific. I'm going to open this. I want to read this. If you just send... Um, you know, new freight broker or um, carrier setup or logistics company on board, right? It's generic. They're gonna probably they may look at it later, but it probably just is not at the top of their priority list. So being specific in your subject lines will pique someone's interest. Just think about what you see in your email and what you're gonna just gonna and what say you that. don't. I'm just thing. gonna say that. Yeah. So like I mean, spend even, some like, time and just hey, think about it. I, I still like I still open marketing emails from 
you know, stores and online companies. But when it when there's something specific that piques my interest, I'm more likely to open it. Like for example, if it's a holiday and they the website has like 25% off for the next mm-hmm. whatever, right? It gives me a sense of urgency, right? But I know it's specific and it's not just the generic you know, spammy email blast going out. So, and to be honest, a lot of the stuff when I was first learning sales, where these tips came from, were exactly from there. Somebody was teaching me, and he went, "Look at your inbox. Like, look at what you open. Read the headlines. Pay attention to the subject lines, and think about why it why it grabbed your attention. Why you actually clicked it." Think to yourself, did you read through all of it? Did you read through the first statement? Where did you stop and why did you feel like it no longer continued to like basically hold your attention, right? Because mm-hmm. somewhere in there, that's the tip. I mean, yes, it's for you, but like you'll start to get a good feel for like why some of these works. I mean, there's tons of books and references we could go on about and yeah. point you in the right direction. But this is the, I think, the most effective way on a daily basis to get a little better at this skill set. Here's another thing I, I did in the past too, and some people do it, some people don't, is using an emoji in all of mm-hmm. your email subject lines because it, it shows, like let's say for example, you put a little emoji of a truck or a rocket or something, right? And every one of your email subject lines, people will start to pick up, oh, that's Nate, right? Because he always sends the same, it's always the very yep. similar type. They, it's it's like muscle memory in their brand. Brand recognition is what it is. Yep. You're creating this little icon that becomes part of your brand as a broker that they start to recognize and basically tie it to you, just like you said. Absolutely. Um, don't, don't, there's also like, you know, there's a danger if you overdo it. Yes. <laughs> but. Yeah, I wouldn't, yeah. Def, and it's the same thing with like, even like going to the personal side, right? Like, we talk a lot in prospecting about like, yes, you're there to talk about business, but where the real the rapport and the relationship comes from is talking about everything around it, right? What they did, their interests, getting to know that person on kind of a human level. And there's a line, right? Like you don't wanna go over it, especially super early, right? And especially in the written text, right? Yep. Some cautionary things. And everybody always asks, you know, well, what do you do? Send an email or talk, right? Here's where I draw the line. If it's a prospect, I am always going to try to call first. Yep. I'm going to do that because that's an opportunity for me to build more rapport verbally. You learn so much. That's that 90 some percent of communication that is nonverbal. That's what you're getting in a phone. You'll never get that in the written. You'll never get in a text. You'll never get in an email. Plus, an email or a text is always interpreted by the emotion that person had right before they opened it. If something went wrong right before they read your email, probably not going to be in a good mood and it's probably not going to be in the best light. But if you're on the phone and you hear that, you stop, you realize it's not a good time, and then you come back and reapproach. You don't have that ability in email. So that's where I kind of draw the line as I'm deciding is this an email situation? or a phone call, if it's a prospect, I'm usually gonna call and probably send an email after if I can't reach them. Yep, and another, I wanna add to that is, have an expectation with your shippers and also with your carriers on how you want the communication to be, right? If they prefer to have email or text updates, yes, set that expectation up front and roll with it. Um, if they want you to call them as soon as a load gets delivered so they know that their cust- their receiver, their customer got the product and you just send an email and they're like, what, what? I-, I didn't hear from Nate or Ben, like what's going on here, mm-hmm. right? That's a good way to get yourself in a, you know, in the bad spotlight with your customer and just kind of 
have a bad vibe. So. Well, here's a quick, I mean, a quick little side note. I mean, I know of brokers, and I'm sure you do too, that have flipped customers because of something which seems simple like this. Like there was a guy in my office that got a really large customer just because he asked the shipper like what specifically he could do that their other brokers weren't doing consistently. Yep. yep. And you wanna follow up and make sure you're asking that word because they're very different, right? So, and when he did, he found out, oh, they weren't sending the invoices with the invoice numbers. And they were really hard to determine what their questions were because their correspondence didn't have consistent subject lines. So I went to accounting and said, hey, you know, can we make sure that these numbers are included every time we send a question over to the shipper or an invoice? That alone differentiated him from all of the other people yes. and turned it into a real customer. Yep. And just to add on to that, um, a basic communication tip is repeat back to the person you're talking to what it is that you've understood, right? Yes. Okay, so if I understand you properly, this is what you're looking to have happen here. And just repeat it back to them. That's a that's communication 101 right there. That's well, psych Psychologically, it's also very valuable. It shows them you're listening. It shows you're engaged. It's also a question which requires them to respond, which is another opportunity for you to build more rapport and extend the conversation a little bit longer to get a little bit more juice out of it. Yep. All of those things are all beneficial. And it's the simplest thing to remember. Absolutely. Good stuff. I mean, we could dig into this for, for hours, man. Um, we got some Q&A that I want to get to from our listeners. But first, I want to give a shout out to our friends over at Lean Solutions Group. As always, check out the link in the show notes for our, our, our sponsor and affiliate page on our website. You can get access to all of Lean's great products. We're a huge fan of them. So whether it's adding bodies to your company for staffing or account reps to manage accounts for you. Uh, I personally know a guy right now that is using the Nearshore model and has hired on um, either two or three, I think he's up to now, um, account reps just to help manage his existing business. It's a great way to, to, to extend your reach at what you're good at, which is getting new business. Uh, so check them out, whether it's marketing or technology, like they built our website, they're helping with our social media. Lean can do all kinds of stuff for you. So check them out at leangroup.com or check out the link in the show notes. Um, I've got, we got four questions today. Got one extra one on there that came in yesterday. Um, first one, how do I handle false bad reviews for my company online? So whether it's DAT, Google, whatever. Um, I will tell you, first of all, it is very, very difficult to get a review taken off of a website. It's not impossible though, if you can prove that it's not real or if it's erroneous or you know breaks some kind of guidelines for that website. Um, I, but I will tell you that my, my biggest tip is to respond to all of your reviews online. So I'll yep. tell you, whenever um, Pierce Worldwide gets a, a DAT review, um, people typically are more apt to leave a negative review when they're pissed versus leaving a good review when they're happy. And that's a different conversation, but we respond to every single review and we take it seriously and we dig in it to find out what happened to resolve that. And then we ask that carrier or whoever it was to then respond or update their review at the end of it and that is huge. Exactly, and I see them all the time, right? You can see the responsive businesses exactly from there, right? Like you'll see an issue and then you'll see their team respond and then you'll ask and then you'll see in the thread, right? So everybody can see it. So you don't really need it to be pulled down. What you need is everyone to be able to see that you care enough to resolve it. And then at the end, you literally ask them, hey, has this been resolved? And they go, yes, thank you. And it literally shows the tone change. Yes. And when you see them juxtaposed against the rest that are not answered, 
it's very easy for you to realize that, hey, this company cares. Yeah. These people aren't even looking at them. Yep, 100%, that's it. All right, next one. How many cold calls does it take to land a new customer? Um, ben, I'll let you take this one, but I will say there's not, there's not a perfect answer here. Um, it's usually not one and it's usually not a hundred, but, um, talk to us about number of contacts and what you think on that. So the average for a new customer is eight to 12 conversations or touches with a prospect before they come. Now, the reality is, is if this question is how many cold calls do you need to make per day to get any customer? It's a different question, right? Because you're not going to get to the third conversation or even the second for most of your prospects. So my numbers were my first real customer, like consistent business of like 5K a week that came from it. It took me a little over, I think it was about 1500 phone calls, different market. And that was like six years ago. Yeah. Now I can tell you that now in this market right now, we're seeing clients add a new customer sometimes like once a week, once every other week, if they are making outbound calls commensurate with 60 to 80 per day. They can usually, so 60 to 80 per day, they're averaging about three to 400 a week, maybe maybe on the high ends of the 200s even. You still should be able to, after you're doing that for a good month and a half, start creating opportunities that are at least quotes for spot loads. Yeah. It's, it's a whole subjective thing on determining when they become dedicated customers and how many loads you get to run, but. Interesting, so I wanna tell you this. So I know a lot of W2s out there, they're given a goal and they're gonna either make the calls or they won't and they won't have a job. Yeah. But let's be honest here, a lot of people that are new at brokerage aren't a W-2, they're probably licensed, right? They got their own company going. And my guess is with nobody telling them what, how many calls they have to make and not being held accountable, they're not putting the volume in, the number of calls in, it's not there. So what I will tell you is 80 to 100 is great. Start with something smaller and just see how different your day goes. So for example, make 40 or 50 calls the next time you prospect that day, okay? And see how different you feel afterward, how much more comfortable you feel afterward, and the results afterward. And then do that for a week, two weeks, track your performance and, and all the outcome. I'm telling you, put in more activity. That's really I, what it comes down to. Totally agree. And I mean, what's one of the benefits of the coaching program we put together is that every other week, everybody in our group is able to share these numbers. It's one of the things we talk about so that everybody can get that outside perspective. Yep. To your point exactly, there's so many clients we work with and brokers that are working from home. And it's hard when you're sitting there literally making dials for hours on end, days and then weeks, and going and asking yourself, like, am I going in the right direction? Because it's a long road to travel and it's yeah. difficult. It's simple, but it's difficult. And that's one of the great ways to have some accountability is even pick someone else in your company. Pick a friend, pick another friend in sales and make some goals, share them with them and help each other stay accountable to each other. Find yep. a partner, whatever that's you cool. gotta do, this is gonna get you there quicker. 100%. Um, next question, how do carriers view new MCs versus older MCs? Um, well, I'm gonna break this down on a higher level. It could be a broker looking at a carrier or a carrier looking at a broker, right? I will tell you that most times, in general, a new MC is more of a risk to either a broker or a carrier than a tenured MC. Now, let me tell you something different. If you have a, an MC that's been around for three years, but it's got terrible reviews, that's gonna be worse than somebody that maybe has had their MC for two months, but in talking to them, you find out they actually worked 
for 10 years before under a different MC, right? I mean, there's a lot of subjectivity to it. I would say in a nutshell, the longer your MC has been around, it, it does show on service level a little bit more, um, you know, history, obviously, and you, you kind of have more trust just on the, on for face value, less risk. Yeah, and I, I mean, a good rule of thumb is most companies kind of view carriers with an MC less than a year different than everyone else. It kind of falls in your own category, and they're usually just like more protocols around it, like different dispatching, more frequent check calls, making sure that like, you know, their out of service percentage isn't through the roof. Because again, there's so many little metrics that matter. Like if you've been in business three years and your out of service percentage is enormous, like I'd rather have somebody less than a year. Um, yep. I'll again, tell you though, whether you're a broker or a carrier, everyone's got to start somewhere. If you've got a new MC, you just got to put a lot more legwork and a lot more relationship building and a lot more references in there to get yourself trusted and respected as that MC ages. Yeah. So. Um, last one, how do I move drayage? And um, this is a very broad question and I just wanna give a super quick definition on what drayage is, because it's, it's different than the traditional full truckload. Drayage by definition, and this is not exact, but it's moving something over a short distance is really what it is, right? And we see this a lot if it is from a port inland, right? Short yeah. distance. Um, Ben, you want to elaborate on it? Definition-wise, drayage doesn't usually go more than 250 miles. A standard dray move is less than 50 yep. to 100 to 150. Get a little less common. It's around all of the terminals. It's how the containers get off the trains and get to the receivers, or get from a train to a train, or from a port to a receiver. All yep. of the above, right? Which is exactly now, what we're seeing in the in the market right now. Yep. And the, the things I would caution you against is if you accept a drayage load from a port or a terminal as a carrier, you are responsible for getting it out by the last free day, which is the amount of time you have to actually pull it out. If you don't buy that day, you the carrier are now responsible for paying that storage. In full oh, yeah. truckload, if you don't pick up a load, there really is no risk. That's one of the big differences. And if you're yep. looking for carriers and where to post, drayage.com is a pretty yes. good network. I will tell you there's very few amount of carriers in there right now. I did get an email from them actually last week that they're seeing some capacity pop up now in some other cities, which hasn't been the case for really a year and a half, so. Yep, um, I was gonna say drayage.com is a great directory for it. I also wanna put out there that drayage is a niche. Okay, Very so much. if you're not gonna go all in and really learn it and be proficient and excel at it, don't try and dabble with it a little bit here and yeah. there because there's a lot of mistakes you can make. Like you said, the last free day, you can rack up a lot of charges that way. So and there's so many, there's so many terms and verbiage as it relates to just doing that business from like, I mean, it's there's a whole other vocabulary that only really sits for drayage and like, flatbed versus vans versus like reefers, it's not that different. Drayage is like completely different oh, yeah. than the rest. Yep, things to think about with drayage, just a couple little pointers. You've got the use of chassis and leased equipment that yep. the driver doesn't actually own that gets involved there. You've got entry into ports. You've got sometimes using the UIIA to have registered drivers. You've you have to do that. Times. Yep. So much. All required. And in fact, if you don't know how to do that and not all that's readily available, you can book a carrier that literally is not even able to pick up your load. And that yep. happens all of the time. Oh, and that's a disaster. I've, I've yeah. seen that a couple times and that's no fun.
Good stuff. Good questions. Keep them coming, guys. We, we appreciate it. Um, we have usually about three time to do three or so questions each episode. Obviously, last week we just did all Q&A because we had a bunch of questions come in. But keep them coming. I will say, if you're, if you're using our website and sending a question in, make it as uh, long as you want, right? Give us as much detail, mm-hmm. which is kind of different it's than what helpful. we just talked about in our yeah. topic. But um, like I think the dredge one, someone just said, need help moving dredge. And we, so we don't really know what the specific question was, but you know, we kind of gave a little high level view there and just talk about it a little bit. But give us specific details and we'll break it down for you guys. So. Yeah, and we enjoy doing it. So, I mean, don't hesitate from sending those out. Same thing. We monitor the YouTube page. We monitor all of our stuff. So, if you have any questions, throw them out there. We're happy to jump in and help wherever necessary and wherever we can lend a hand. Again, all of this is in Freight Broker Basics course. We put that in there. Um, may need to update and put a Dread section in there because I don't think we do have one we in have there. We have a little bit, little yeah. bit on Dread. It is, it is fairly niche market, so there's not a, a lot of detail on it. No. Um, not recommended for a new broker, I would say anyway. No. But uh Good, good, uh, good point. So, well, cool, Ben. Any final thoughts? Not so much, man. Whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. Yeah, and happy birthday. And also, until next time, Buffalo Bills over Miami Dolphins. Go Bills! That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any articles and content that we referenced on this episode. Visit us on the web at www.freight360.net. And if you'd like to learn more about a new home for your agency, contact me directly. And if you'd like to learn more about me coming out to run a free complimentary sales training for your team, check me out on LinkedIn or again at www.freight360.net.